Hello, and welcome to the Pretty Pixels podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joey Crunwell, here today with Ron Chrono Klewinski. How are you doing, Ron? Hello, Joey. I noticed you have a profile picture of a very beautiful and also intelligent-looking male, and I am under the presumption that this goodness goddess is you. It is quite astonishing to see a female here in the Kirby official Discord. I am quite popular around here on this in the server. So if you require guidance, please throw me a mention. I will assist you at any hour, day or night. And before you are mistaken, are you going to let me read this whole thing? <laughs> I'm going to let you read the whole thing. It's, it's really long, too. Go uh, on. Uh, <laughs> and before you are mistaken, I do not seek your hand in a romantic way. Although I am not opposed in, in the event you are interested in me, as many women often are. I am a man of standard, and I will not bow to just any female that comes my way, unlike my peers. So rest assured that I will not be in the way of your gaming and socializing experience. Consider me a player too, a companion, a partner, and perhaps we can enjoy some video games together sometime. I see you play Apex Legends, and are you good at mini games? I am a mini game aficionado, so I would be happy to assist you in games. Platonically, of course, unless you, like many others, change your mind on that. I look forward to our future together as friends, of course. A classic friends, a classic uh, nice guy move is to friend zone yourself. You're like, don't worry, you don't have to worry about me. Friend zone yourself love- while constantly insisting that you would be available. I mean, should you, should you get any ideas, you know? And I think that's real, but I think the funniest thing is that it's a dude saying, oh, we so rarely get women on the Kirby Discord. What? On the Kirby? Di- this is not Apex Legends. This is not Halo or something. What? Kirby? Kirby's the one that you're like gatekeeping with gender? <laughs> this is kind of a dude's game. I don't know why women wander in here. Well, um, it's, it's also weird. Like, I want you to feel comfortable. So let me talk about you like you're like an, a rare exotic, you know, bird or something. <laughs> like, oh, right. yeah. well, it fascinating. Lo- <laughs> it looks it looks like the, the initial res- uh, like the initial reply to it is it's a copy paste. So, oh, okay. uh, nonetheless, someone Still, yeah. someone probably wrote that actually meaning it. And then it became a copy paste. So, hi, Paul. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> and Paul Cross Gross. See now, see my nicknames were Ron Chrono Kluinski and Paul Cross Grosska because like Chrono Cross, but now it's all broken up and it doesn't work. But it was it was fine. It's fine. Paul, have a seat. When's the last Gross time? Cough. When's the last time you were on vacation? Um, we have a great show for you today, everyone. Okay, so I think I have to get better at the art of the interruption. So like if you listen to interviewers like like the like really seasoned interviewers like Larry King, R.I.P., Oprah, Mark Marin, like people who've interviewed like hundreds or thousands of people. They like strategically interrupt people, which seems so counterintuitive because like I teach interviews to my students lightly. We don't get in in depth or anything, but I would not teach them to interrupt people. I would say if you're interviewing someone, you ask them a question, you wait for them to finish their answer or like you start, you get a read on when they're wrapping their answer up. I wouldn't jump in the middle and just interrupt them. But someone like Mark Marin does it all the time. 
And I'm like, but he gets these great interviews, so he must be doing it strategically. So I'm listening and I'm like, oh, I think it's because like he's he's using these like softball questions to get people talking. And then he interrupts those questions because those questions have been answered a million times. Like, where'd you grow up? What were your, what did your parents do for a living or whatever? And then he'll interrupt those questions because who cares? Like, blah, 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 with something that's more important because then it like takes them off guard and it makes it seem more casual and like spontaneous. Well, what he so does I, too is like he'll like ask them that softball question and then they'll start answering it and then he'll fill it in with the rest of it because he already knows the answer because he's already like looked it up. Like, yeah, I've heard him do that like a handful of times, like where like someone will start talking about something, then he'll butt in with the rest of what they're saying because it's already common knowledge, and it's just like right. It's really weird, but I do like it. Yeah. So yeah, I need to pra- I need to practice that. So I was trying that with. So you, will you guys help me? I'm gonna try a little bit. So, Ron, tell me a little bit about your hometown. Where are you from? <laughs> I'm not gonna participate. <laughs> I'm gonna make it hard on you. You got to figure out. You got to to be a good interviewer. You got to take these these like left turns here and be able to interrupt me and bring it back on track. But you're not gonna do that. You're just gonna sit there and listen to me keep talking and talking and talking. And yep, you're just gonna stare at me like that with your hand on your beard and just let me keep going. Yeah. See, I'm not. I'm not good at it. <laughs> oh, Paul, what? Paul, what's um? Tell me about your favorite food. Like, what's your what's your favorite food? My favorite food is a tie between pizza. Have you ever thought about where you would bury a body if you like accidentally hit someone? Yeah, probably in a deep dish pizza, um, so that no one would ever find them, and some ravenous friends of mine from Illinois eh, eh, could dispose of the evidence, huh? And that's how that's how I would do it. And then if they found no, get this, and if they found the body. I would say, hey, it's a mafia themed restaurant. That's we planned on it. We get it. And then I, I was going to say, is, is it a Dahmer themed uh, restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was Dahmer themed, wouldn't you like have to have like sex with? The, <laughs> the I mean, there's the just, there's no saying that you wouldn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess anything goes. This isn't Pizza Ranch, you know. They're, yeah. We're, we're a little loose about the yeah, rules. You, you play my, fast and loose. Themed. Yeah. What Jeffrey are we Dahmer pizzeria? Good foodies, like, <laughs> like good, like good fellas, but yeah, like foodies, people who love food, yeah, instead of because it's mafia. Anyways, <laughs> we do have a great show though. So, <laughs> <laughs> we we don't have a lot of news to cover, but our main course, our subject, our focus of the of the episode. <laughs> is fred the guy i accidentally hit with my car so you guys could drive over here um i like how i know his name (laughs) you had to look at his wallet right i did it was frederick but i'm assuming he goes by fred (laughs) who who goes by frederick right um but no we're we're talking about the way that that we worded worded it was forgotten gems slash underappreciated games so we left it sort of vague so it could be forgotten, it could be underappreciated, it could be a combination of both of them, but we were going to talk about um, two or three of our of, of games that we think are underappreciated or perhaps forgotten. But before we get there, let's talk about a couple of news things. Again, not, I feel like the last few weeks have been some big, last couple of months have been some really big news items, but this week's been pretty slow. Um, Crystal Dynamics announced on Twitter 
that they have, quote-unquote, just started development on the next Tomb Raider game. No other info other than it's on Unreal Unreal Engine 5, which just launched. So, any thoughts on that? Anyone excited for that? Yeah. Are they getting, um, like... What's your favorite food? (laughs) No, I'm just... just (laughs) Mommy milkers. (laughs) Speaking of Um, tumor. Speaking of Lara Croft. No, um... Are they? I think it's like something Pratchett, but the original writer of like the first two games in the past trilogy. Like, is she coming back? I don't know. I don't think they. I I I don't know if they've said. Maybe they've clarified that in in a follow up interview. But the the video was very short. They literally just said that they just started, and they're doing a partnership with Epic for to use Unreal Five. So I hope so, though. I know, because, yeah, if they, they get the whole the whole crew back. I know a lot of that team from the first two games went to work on Marvel Avengers, and so they end up splitting their their time with that. So, yeah, if they, they get the whole the whole crew back together, I will be very excited. And yeah, yeah. Unreal Engine 5 seems to be, you know, the, the, th- the thing that so many developers are hopping over to. So, yeah, it's, it's cool. I'm excited. Yeah, I wonder how Unreal Engine handle uh, the five handles like I mean, we've seen how it ha- handles like the city stuff. I wonder how it handles like you know wilderness and uh, like caves and like you know more natural settings and stuff like that. Sure, yeah, probably looks pretty good, right? Sure, yeah, because I feel like that engine is so much built on making things really easy to just copy and paste and like you know make still a bunch have of it, different still have it look randomly generated and right natural. Yeah. But I but I feel like with Tomb Raider the level. What's your favorite sport, seemed... Joey? <laughs> <laughs> Banana. Banana. <laughs> this is gonna be a terrible episode. This is gonna be right, so bad. Because they have no idea why we just, in, <laughs> just hopped over to Despicable Me. But we're gonna leave it and they're not gonna know. Um Yeah, I I feel like with a game like Tomb Raider, levels seem so much more handcrafted, maybe because they're kind of small and not open world you know but i don't know i mean if it it maybe that's just like to put things in place to kind of generate a forest and then shape it makes it like saves time or something i don't know but i'm excited i love the tomb raider games especially the recent ones shadow of the tomb raider i agree with the general sentiment that it's it wasn't as good as the the previous two but i still thought it was it was good um and like with horizon forbidden west i like that kind of exploration, like climbing and like testing the environment and looking for ways to overcome hurdles and like barriers and stuff like that. I, I love that stuff. So I'm excited. They did say at some point, at some, some point in the past, something like they're going to, in the future, they're going to be merging the timelines of the previous games with the timelines of the new games. And I'm kind of like, no <laughs> like i don't know how that would work you know what i so mean because the previous game is this supposed to be like more of this new reboot or is it supposed to be like another reboot i think it's more of the new reboot i think it's like a continuation okay. maybe okay. not so of they're like, continuing on with that this Lara so. Croft. okay yeah because the the first three in the reboot trilogy are all still like beginning lara like she's still kind of getting her footing becoming who who we know her to be but there's so much more like grounded in reality not completely there's some supernatural elements but 
there's no T-Rexes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so yet, I'm, I'm, yet. yeah, I guess so. I guess. Yeah. If they're the same timeline, then she can't lock her butler in the cooler in the mansion. <laughs> I always, lo- I always love doing that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's kind of like that snail, you know, like the snail scenario, like, if you could have like, you know, oh yeah, you choose like twenty billion dollars or money for life, but you always have a snail who's like chasing after you and if it touches you, you die mm-hmm. and it, nothing could stop it. He that's that's the he's he's the snail because he's always <laughs> coming after you. He never stops coming that's after true, you. Yeah. It'd be and, great in that scenario if there's one way to stop it, that's by locking it in, <laughs> in, in your in your giant palatio mansion. <laughs> That's true. I mean, people talked about like getting getting on an airplane and just flying to the like having two houses, one, you know, on opposite ends of the earth and just flying, spending one half of the year at the other mansion because there's no way that it would make it from one side of the earth to the other, even on a direct line. Yeah. In a year or so, just keep flying back and forth. Like, yeah, it's like an luck. easy, it's an easy, yeah, easy fix. Yeah, all Let's those people it. who have historically turned that offer down, like how stupid they must stupid look Stupid sons of bitches, yeah. yep. And they're all Let's dead anyway, it. so what does it matter? <laughs> yeah. Got Wait, what were we talking about? I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. Other, so, yeah, Butler. Yeah, Tomb Raider, yeah. <laughs> Ron, did you play the Tomb Raiders? I, you, did, didn't you play the reboot, the first I one? I played the first one. I did not play the second one because the second one was the... Time exclusive, Xbox, yeah. and then by the time it ended up coming around to uh, PlayStation, I had kind of lost interest in it. Plus, I heard like kind of middling things about how it was just kind of like more of the same, and I'm like, eh. Like it was fun, but I think I, I think it was one of the PS Plus games, so I probably have it, so I could probably play it. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. The other thing is, and I hesitated to even use this as like a news bullet, but I took advantage of it, and I feel like if listeners listen to this soon enough maybe they can too Um, but amazon has a buy two get one free sale right now and it's not like target will have these and it'll be like games that came out a month ago two months ago but with this amazon sale elden ring tiny tina's wonderlands ghostwire tokyo a lot of like new games that just came out are a part of this sale so if you're interested if you hear this in time check it out I took advantage of it. I got because I've been looking for Elden Ring on sale because I'm like so worried that I'm not. It doesn't sound like my type of game, but it also sounds super awesome. So I'm like been wanting to try it and I'm like, I'll wait till I see it on sale, but I haven't seen it on sale anywhere. And then I saw this sale and I got Elden Ring, Bravely Default 2 and Shimigami Tensei 5. So lots of RPG goodness. And Elden Ring came out to $42. So if you can get these like new games for 40, 40 bucks, 42 bucks. Um, why not why not take advantage of it but i know tab did as well tab got ghostwire tokyo tiny tina's wonderlands and elden ring so how do you yeah. how do you search for this uh like is there is there like a, a promotion in amazon like on- i don't remember i think i saw someone linked it on twitter so i don't know if you go to amazon and go to games or something maybe maybe it'll be there <clears throat> trying to fact check this right now Back chat. Back chat. I thought, I thought Joey, you're gonna drop a link in the chat, and then we click on it, and that's that clip from Mac and me that Paul. <laughs> oh fuck! Should have. God damn it! <laughs> no, it's to a download of the guy game, so we're all. Oh, uh, 
<laughs> the SWAT teams smash the the doors into our, <laughs> our apartments. <laughs> I don't. I don't see anything on here about some. Sort I think of... she passed gamer might have tweeted it out. That might have been where I linked it from. Got the link from. Yeah, there's nothing on here but, to um, say specifically that any games are like. You know, let's see if I click Elden Ring, what happens here? Nothing. So I'm, I'm lying, I'm dying. Yep, you're lying. I don't believe you. Now now I'm like, I have to go prove it and find it, but we don't have time for that. Are you guys interested in that? Is that yeah. Are you guys going to take advantage of it? I probably won't if take advantage real? of it unless there's like something like that I absolutely want, but eh. I, I want to. I um, just know I want Tiny Tina's Wonderland. And um, I'm interested in Ghostwire Tokyo, but I don't know what my third game would be. So I need to think through it more. Yeah, I think I was I felt so good about the three that I picked because a lot of times with these sales, because Target has these sales like probably like twice a year and I don't always take advantage of them because I'm I immediately will think of a game that I've wanted. And that's still because what you want to do with a sale like that is get games that are full price because then you're getting the biggest mm-hmm. discount. You don't want to get two games that are full price and then one that's like 20 bucks. So there were times where I'd go to Target and be like, oh, this is amazing. I'd pick up two games that are 60 bucks and I'm like just got to find a third game and I can't really I don't want to buy something that I don't really want even though I'm getting it for free so I'll see one that like came out a long time ago I'm like oh I've been wanting to play that it's 30 bucks and I'm like oh man I'm like not oh, saving no. that much money so oh no so so, so you yeah. buy them all um, anyway I buy them all anyways. <laughs> I wait until the price the sales over and then I just buy them all full price um uh, i got i have to interject real quick here because of course i s- was scrolling through to see if there's anything else and i came across the reviews for elden ring um danny boy has a one-star review saying this game sucks uh i hate this game for the same reason i hated demon souls there's your first problem um i will never buy anything from this gaming from this gaming company anymore wow that's a terrible grammar um if you didn't like Demon Souls, guess what? You're not gonna like fucking Elden Ring, dude. Right. <laughs> if 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 From Software's track game. record has <laughs> like you know said anything, they make the same game every single time, or at Idiot. least games that have similar qualities. Yeah. <laughs> I played Madden 2019, and I bought Madden 2022, and oh. god damn it, I hate this one too. It feels like I you're. Hate- car- no. It feels like your character's moving around underwater, even when you're in battle. The movements are slow and lethargic. All deliberate, by the way. The people who develop this game need to play games like Skyrim and Ghost of Tsushima and take notes on how character movements and battles should be programmed. Hasn't From Skyrim? Software been around for like 30 plus years been making games yeah. that making the same exact game and yeah. Also, is the 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 high watermark for like third person combat Skyrim? I mean, it's a great game, but like, what? <laughs> well, yeah, what a what a combo because I feel like the combat in Ghost of Tsushima is amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Elden Ring yet, but like, I doubt that it has that level of style and precision and like fluidity. So, point taken with that one. But Skyrim, where no. you just circle around the enemy and like <laughs> swinging back off and swinging back off like yeah not not the best comparison that's how characters should move though i guess uh, yep. i guess so well, danny boy's I'm, an idiot can i return my <laughs> can i return my copy of elden ring which just came out um, i was gonna say yeah it hasn't even me. come out yet so how can you yeah it's me and me and danny boy yeah apparently <laughs> and then you can buy it as a part of that sale and then get 
get it for 42 42 bucks so there you go another so this is not news but last week we talked about my or our our shared adventures trying to get the theme song the theme jingle for the alabama national fair and we like googled it and we've looked on youtube and we looked on the internet archive the wayback machine we couldn't find it like collectively we've spent hours looking for this thing and we can't find it and tab keeps like prodding me like oh you still haven't found it oh i i, I don't know if it exists they, and I'm they, like, tab was gaslighting you yeah yep even yeah, though ron i'm, I'm calling, up, tab, ron I'm calling like, tab out right now <laughs> ron backed me up he was like yeah i i, I heard it as a real thing and tab was like i don't know i don't know <laughs> so i thought okay if i can't find it why don't I just do the the normal thing and ask for it? So I went and found the email address on the website and I emailed the Alabama National Fair um, at ANF at ALNationalFair.org. Um, and I actually shared this chain of emails with my students to talk about rhetoric, to talk about like audience and purpose and tone and everything, because so much thought went into these fucking emails because I'm thinking like, Who's my audience? Like, it's just someone from the Kiwanis Club, probably, who runs the Alabama National Fair. So, this is like the service-based group in Montgomery, Alabama. It's probably like an older person who has a lot of free time, who's like volunteering. Um, that's just my guess. And like, I lived in Alabama for six years, so I know Southern culture. And there's like a lot of and my family, a lot of my family's from there as well. Ron insists that I'm from Alabama, but I'm not. Um, and like there, there's an idea of like politeness and all that stuff. So I'm like, I got to be really polite. So I wrote them an email and I said, and I again, put so much thought and I walked my students through all of my, my thought process of writing this. I won't do that here, but the email I wrote says, hello, I was wondering if you might be able to point me in the right direction to find the Alabama national fair jingle that used to play in the promos. It was such a staple of my time in Montgomery, but now I can't seem to find it anywhere. There are a couple of YouTube videos that just have a brief clip of it, the Alabama National Fair part, but I would love to find the full song. And then in quotes, I put the people come from miles around. I said, I thought it was used. I thought it used to be hosted on the Alabama National Fair website, but I can't seem to find it anywhere. I hate to bother you with such a trivial request, but I would be so happy to find that song again. So thank you for any help you might provide. So I'm asking for them to. They knew. To they it. knew you were lying when you said like it was such a staple during my time. Such a st- it was. If you're from Montgomery, a staple to make fun of it. Like, no, no. People love it. It's a bop. They come from miles um, around, and they come from miles around from the fields to hear the sound. Um, and I said thank you very much. Have a great have a great day. And then I signed it, and they wrote back simply. What will this be used for? <laughs> That's it. That's it. They didn't say, hello, Joey. Dearest Joey. No greeting. No sign off. Nothing. Just says, what will this be used for? Dear Joey, what do you want with our song? Why? Why, <laughs> why is the Alabama National Fair jingle now such a closely guarded fucking? <laughs> right. So I'm like, okay, God, they're a little, little, little suspicious, a little defensive. So I need to like reassure them that, but, but then again, I don't know why they're asking. Cause like if they didn't, if it's not available for private use, it's not available for you. Just don't, just don't respond then. Right. Or say, sorry, we don't distribute the song. So I'm like, well, I can't tell. And this is one of the things I'm talking about with my students. Like I can't tell which direction I should go in. Should I go in the, oh, please don't worry. I just want it for selfish reasons. Just me. I just want to listen to it. Or 
are they hoping that I use it for something because they're realizing that social media is a powerful thing and maybe they're thinking, well, if he wants to share it or something like that or like make a TikTok sound or something, like maybe we'll get some attention or something. So I didn't know. So I this is my mistake. I pointed out to my students. I didn't commit to one. I tried to do both. So I said, this would be for private use, though I'd love to share it via social media to help out others who have looked for the, for the sound but have not been able to find it. I've seen people in comment sections questioning their sanity because they, like me, remember it so well, but somehow we can't find it on the internet. I'd also be happy to share it for promotional purposes. It really is catchy, but I can understand if you'd rather restrict this to private use. So I was trying to do both of like, I'll just use it for private use if that's what you want. But I would be happy to share it if you also, if, if that's something that's of interest to you. Yeah, you so they did there. respond again. And they said, we own the jingle and the <laughs> copyrights for the jingle. It cannot be used for promotional purposes and, be and to be distributed to other people. Basically, you need to know what exact usage will be before I can give it will be released to anyone. Wait, what? That sentence yeah. again? That didn't sound I read right. it exactly <laughs> as written. You read it as exactly as I was reading that other one. <laughs> and what? so... This, well, this is what I was telling my students. Like, I can tell that they don't give a shit at this point. Like, they're not even spell checking. They're not catching their their grammatical mistakes. Um, they did say thanks in this one, though. But see, the thing is, like, again, they didn't say no. This is still not a no. It's we need to know ex your exact usage usage before we will give it to be released to anyone, whatever that means. Um. So I said, I completely understand and I'm not trying to get anyone in trouble. So I'm like, I have to start out directly by saying, look, I, I understand copyrights, scary thing. I'm not trying to get in trouble. I'm trying to get you in trouble. So I said, I completely understand. I'm not trying to get anyone in trouble, including myself. I will not be using the jingle for any promotional purposes and will not share it with others. I just wanted to access it for personal nostalgic enjoyment. It seems like a part of Alabama history at this point. So I'm trying to get trying to touch on that Alabama pride a little bit, right? Um, and I'm just shocked it's not archived somewhere for public enjoyment. I understand the hesitation to provide an actual copy of the song, but even if you knew where I could stream it or listen to it online without downloading to protect the copyright, I'd be happy to do that. Heck, if it were on iTunes, I'd have bought it by now. Ha ha. I, Heck. Thought so, <laughs> I thought so much about the ha ha. I'm like, do I put the ha ha in? Is it too influential? Is it too silly? But I'm like, if they are an older person as I think they are, Maybe that'll like, it's not LOL, because like an old person would be like, there's damn kids. But I was like, haha. I searched YouTube going all the way back to the earliest video mention of the Alabama National Fair 2007, and I just can't find it. Again, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, so I understand the hesitation. But if there's any way at all to access it, my old nostalgic self would be so grateful. I'm going to go sip on a nice Pepsi Coke after this. I'm going to go <laughs> sip on a nice Alabama sweet tea. Um, that was. Let's see, that was Monday, and they have not responded. Those other responses were pretty immediate, so I think they're done with me. I they're think yeah. they're like, no. So my next approach was going to be, and this is a little manipulative, a little, a little seedy, not seedy, but I was going to respond and say something like, you know, even though they haven't said anything, I was going to say, well, thank you so much for your consideration. Um, I'll reach out to my contacts at Maxwell Air Force Base or Auburn University to see if they have anything in their media archives. Because if there's anything the South respects more, it's not it's the military. The military 
is like way up there in terms of the things. So if they knew Military that I served, sports. right. And I'd have to be careful saying Auburn University because I did go there. But if they're an Alabama State fan, then they would they would be like, no. Not no, only are we not an Alabama National fan, Joey. Here's a here's a here's a no no no. I don't, I, don't I, like that Alabama okay. State. <laughs> um, they they would give me a virus instead of the song, but um, <laughs> but so I I use this. Because sometimes I'll I'll teach email etiquette or like email rhetoric to my classes. And so I use this as a lesson today to talk about how I was walking through these same steps of rhetoric that I teach them, thinking about audience, thinking about purpose, thinking about the language that I use and all that kind of stuff. And I said to my students, half jokingly, so if any of you can find it, I'll give you extra credit. Within an hour of getting home, <laughs> I had an email from a student that was like, here you go. <laughs> Uh, how am i teaching them internet research i spent hours trying to find this thing yeah i really wanted i really want to know what they did i want to know how they found this because i searched everything i did all all the little google tricks that i know to like find specific stuff um you know you should have them now that they found that you should ask them to find that old car image that i can't find anymore i told you about that right so i don't think so so for a while when we used to play like you know get porn and Google images by searching innocuous terms and seeing how many pages it would take. Uh, oh, one of my, one of my terms was I wonder old where car. that was going. Yeah. <laughs> one of my terms was old car. I guess it's not really pornographic, but it features nudity. The third, the third result, I'm holding up two fingers. The third result was <laughs> two older gentlemen standing next to an old car, but they were completely nude. <laughs> And I can't find this fucking image anymore. <laughs> well, what makes it harder is like now you can't you you don't get those results. You have to add something in like nudity or porn or something. And, like that, and that's the thing is I, I and I've added that and I've added like old car nudist and like all this stuff and it doesn't pop up anymore. It uh, just, it's completely scrubbed from the internet. <laughs> the FBI guy assigned to you is like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> We've seen some stuff, but... So, yeah, if you're listening to students, uh, find that image for me. Thank you. <laughs> yes, let me ask my students Joey, to find... Joey will give you extra credit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, let me try to talk around this. Um, there's a car, <laughs> and there are two men who are obviously adults and obviously are fans of nature. I'll just leave it at that and see if you can, see if you can find it. Um but yeah, yeah. Shout out to Oscar if you end up ever listening to this. No, don't. Thank no, you. you're gonna you gotta bleep his name because now the Alabama National Fair Committee is gonna come Coming after, after him. him. So bleep his name. Which, thanks, Alabama National Fair. I'm leaking your song everywhere. <laughs> this is gonna be our new theme song for the pod. I'm gonna say I wrote it. <laughs> well, I anyway, don't I don't understand. It, it was written with the express intent of like being catchy and getting out there and like promoting your thing. And someone's like, Hey, can I, can I have it? And you're like, no, <laughs> only at the end of a Brooks and Dunn commercial. Right. Like, what? Well, it's like, riding dogs. It's like, <laughs> like Taylor Swift who like, like some married couple used her song at their wedding. And she ordered them to destroy all their like wedding videos. I know. <laughs> but it's, this is all for like this stupid theme song that no one <laughs> remembers except for you and exactly <laughs> and the thing is like i've remembered it being longer like a full song but i was playing it before the podcast and it's literally every i remember all of the words excuse me all of the words are 
people come from miles around from the farms from and the from, farms the towns, and from the town where excitement, where will, excitement be found will be found at the, the Alabama, Alabama National, National Fair. Fair. That's it. That's the clip. There's, I thought it was more. I thought it was like, well, no, because when they go what, into the, no, they just, they, all they do is they extend the music in the background while they're talking about everything that you see at the Alabama National Fair, including, you know, funnel cakes and monkeys riding dogs. Yeah. And then they, then they play the theme again. And then yeah. at the Alabama National Fair, the <laughs> nation, the good nation of Alabama. <laughs> Every time now, before the recording starts, there's like an audio message that's like piracy is not a victim of crime. Visit this link to learn you, more about. You it. wouldn't download a monkey riding a dog. <laughs> you wouldn't ride a dog if you were a monkey, would you? <laughs> Why are you trying to ride us by stealing our song? <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that one, but then you, we got there. <laughs> I feel like that you wouldn't download a car thing was like the cutting the cutting off point between millennial and Gen Z. You know what I mean? Like that spawned the humor that became Gen Z because that seems like a very Gen Z thing of like bet. Like yeah, actually, the, I would uh, I, a fucking car. <laughs> the, the the absurdist nature of it. Now I want to get a three D printer and literally print a car and be like. I did it. I downloaded a car. <laughs> but anyways. Come at me, MPAA. <laughs> Paul, what have you been playing recently? So I beat Cyberpunk 2077. Nice. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. I, I don't, because, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for you, Ron. I won't go into specifics. But what I will say is that um, I was blown away by how many options there were at the end of the game and how well um, a lot of the storylines and quests throughout like the entirety of the, the main game sort of determined those endings and sort of fit into those endings really nicely. And um yeah, it, it, as far as all of that goes, like one thing I'll just say about the game generally is um, when we are doing our Mass Effect podcast, we were talking about that Bioware magic and how they are um, so willing to create like hours and hours of content that a lot of players will never see just to really make you feel like you're making choices and those choices have meaning and like the game is radically transforming based on those choices between like again like the, all the way back to like the witcher 2 um to now like cd project red they just they have some of that that bioware magic going on where they are so committed to yeah really incorporating that player choice that i mean the the, the different endings and like so many of the different quests um are so dependent on player choice and are so radically different from one another it, it's just it's really awesome to see it gets me excited you know, for what they're going to do next for the game, but also, yeah, just for them to keep doing their thing because, yeah, I just I just think it's absolutely awesome. And it's, yeah, we, we've hit on this point before, but I think it's such a shame that Cyberpunk had such a disastrous launch because yeah. it is very clear that there's like a separation between the people who made that really bad decision and the people who are actually building and designing the game, because I just, I think it's clear that whoever was like creating it, like was doing it with like a lot of thought and care and like a desire to make something really, really great. Well, I mean like the Witcher had like the Witcher three had like a really nasty launch, didn't it too? And they were able to turn that back around. 
yeah, I correctly. It, it wasn't like horrible. I did play it at launch. It, it had some problems, but it wasn't it like wasn't, cyberpunk. Band. No, no. Yeah. But like, yeah, they, they did a really great job of supporting it like long, long after it was released. And so far, I mean, again, like 1.5 fixes a ton of stuff that was going on in the game. And um, yeah, and they, and they, they seem to be committed to continuing to work on it and, add things like um like a, a transmog system so that you can choose like what elements of your gear like appear on screen or like a new Amazing. game plus which i am i'm waiting for that new game plus so yeah. so badly um yeah the outfit yeah, just, armor stuff is like the stuff that i'm like the most interested in because like i fucking for a game well i mean granted you don't even fucking see yourself so like why does it matter but when you do see I yourself know. in a mirror like i kind of want to like look cool you know I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There was always that disconnect because I, I, this one thing like V was not, V is very unlike me and I understand why they made him, him or her, them like such a unique character. It was to fit a specific role in the story. But there was a part of me that was trying to project myself. And so I'd look for every opportunity to like, feel like I was embodying this character and then it would show like a cutscene, and I'm wearing like a combat helmet and like a yellow vest and like short shorts and I'm like oh god damn it <laughs> which is somehow more powerful or like more armor right like protective than like a it. bulletproof vest and stuff like right. that like, what really okay yeah. yeah I um I have to say I did I I took that up as a challenge and there are a ton of like legendary clothing items that you can craft if you buy all the schematics or also like you can find them in the world and like yeah I I went well out of my way to find it because yeah I I was not happy with like what I was getting just like in your natural flow through the game. And I think what would be great with that in mind too, is like along with being able to choose like what appears or doesn't like if you find an awesome shirt or cool pants or something, being able to change the appearance of any item to something you've already found would be amazing. And like, I'm thinking of like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I think was like the first big game that I saw that really did that. And it was really cool. Yeah, because that was the same thing. Like, you find such cool stuff, and then you put it on, and you're like, this looks so stupid. And you have to look at yourself in that game like, constantly. So, <laughs> right. uh, But yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for Ron, but did you get the ending where there's a car, and then there's two guys, and they're naked? <laughs> did you? Yeah, and there's the, a the song car, the in the car. background <laughs> that was like a calliope going... <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's in the the fan base. It's referred to as the banana ending. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> rolling all those up. Rolling all those up. <laughs> What's your guys' favorite actually... ice cream? <laughs> Cherry Garcia. Yeah, same, same. Actually. Oh my god! Look at that's, that. that. That's a Ron? real answer. How yeah. hard do you hit a baseball with a bat? Do you like do a really good swing or hard enough, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Joey, what you been playing? I have been playing. I'm still playing Persona Q and Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, but like I'm pretty close to the end of both of them. I'm on the last dungeon of Persona Q, which I am loving more and more and more as I go along. Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, I'm I'm loving less and less as I go along. It's kind of, it's like I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a huge fighting game person, and so the fighting in that game is fine. But it's not engaging enough. It's not like the Injustice. Like, I really love the fighting in the Injustice games. And so I love in the Injustice games, I love the characters. 
the fighting, the graphics, the world. Like, there's so many elements that I love that I just, especially in Justice 2, I spent so many hours playing that game. I just couldn't stop playing it. But in this game, I don't love the fighting. The fighting is okay. It's fine to me. I, I've heard fighting games fans say it's solid, so I'm sure it's mechanically sound, but it's just not my kind of fighting game. And so, and there's so much story, which is normally not a bad thing, but there's so many story segments that I'm I'm starting to feel sort of antsy because Chrono Cross comes out for us tomorrow. But for the listeners, if you're listening on the first day that I upload this, just which is tomorrow, then Chrono Cross comes out today. Um, so I'm that's I'm going to probably dive into that immediately. And I got Elden Ring, which I want to play really soon. Um, we're starting to pick up GTA 5, or GTA Online as a group again. So there's just a lot of games to play. So I'm I'm starting to um, feel like I and that game is so stingy with its trophies. It's something that I was thinking about last night. Like I'm not normally like a trophy hound unless I really love a game. Then I'll want to get the platinum to number one, extend my time with the game. But number two, just feel that satisfaction when you look in your like games list and you're like, oh, I love that game. And I got the platinum. There's like something really, you know, for me, satisfying about that. But I never realized that like if there's a game that I've played a ton and I only have like four trophies for it, that's kind of annoying. I'm like, I played that game for hours and I have 7% of the trophies completed. Oh, gross. Yeah, gross. I'm so just gonna... you're, so I take it you're not a fan of the Guilty Gear games then, because it's, I'm just looking, it's an Arxis game. Yeah, I haven't uh, played those. Yeah, those are very, very particular fighting games. So I guess if you're not going to like that, you're probably not going to like, if you don't like Persona, you're probably not going to like the Guilty Gear games. I so. like the art style. The art style is great, but yeah. Um, And then still playing Minecraft. I'm almost done with Wayne Manor. I feel like I have the outside done. I have a lot of the rooms on the inside shaped. So I'm making progress in that. But I, I have to say, though, I'm curious about your guys' thought about video game like tutorials on YouTube, like YouTube videos, because I feel like I make this mistake every single time I play Minecraft, which I've come back to it a number of times. I'll be like, I want to do something. So I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Let me go look it up. And I spent hours looking through terrible tutorial videos. Hey guys, and- welcome to Gamer Dudes. Uh, today we're going to be talking about how to make this. Now, before we do, Minecraft is a game about exploration. And you basically start with nothing and then you build a bunch of stuff. And then he talks for like five minutes. Oh, and all right, now we're going to get into the details. Before we do, but make sure you like and subscribe so we can get more. And make sure you check the little bell so you get all my new videos. Now, here's 10 seconds on how to do the thing you want to do. Right. Or they just, they don't expect that they just, they expect that you're already like a Minecraft expert. So they'll be like, all right, hey guys, it's your boy. Like you said, 90% of them start that way. Um, But they'll, they'll just be like, okay, so what you're going to need is this, this and that. And I'm like, number one, they always do it in creative mode. And so they don't really give me any indication about like, how realistic is this? How do I make those blocks that you're magically, you have access to because you're in your creative mode? Um how many do I need? Is that hard? You know what I mean? Because they're just like popping sticky pistons everywhere. And I'm like, I need to get those little blobs, the little sticky blobs, which you have to go down into caves and fight the big blob monsters, which are not common. So it's like, give me some indication of that. Don't expect that I'm doing this in creative mode, number one. And number two, they're like, and just throw this here and throw that there. And they're not explaining anything. 
and they do it really fast. And so I'm constantly pausing. So it'll say it's like a 37 minute video that turns into a five minute or a five hour video because I'm like pausing, trying the thing, coming back, having to rewind because they talk really fast. Oh, but uh, what other instances besides Minecraft or maybe maybe Minecraft, like what other like video games have you guys used tutorials for? A ton for me um from software games especially because they are notoriously mysterious with like how certain things in the game works which is cool like there are definitely a lot of things i enjoy discovering for myself but sometimes there's a thing that like i kind of know i can do but i don't know how to do it and as opposed to like trial and error i'm just like let me just look up a quick video you know and then see like what to do but i don't i don't mind them i think that yeah they're definitely I think I really appreciate ones that kind of get right down to business. And there are people who make those that have been super, honestly, they've been really, really helpful in like that game, but like other games too. Um, um, but uh, yeah, it, yeah, I, I think they can be really helpful, but they can be really frustrating, especially when they're, they're sort of, they know that they have like 30 seconds worth of content that you actually want to watch and they're kind of like baiting you in and like, yeah. Yeah, well, you know. well, they have to because that's how they get money. Like they can't well, monetize yeah. a video that's only 30 seconds. They have to have like three minutes of preamble before like the ad system actually kicks in. I mean, that's a, at, at that point, that's a YouTube fault. Uh, but yeah, then people right. have to like do into it if they want to keep doing that. They're as part a of job. a broken system. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've probably used, I've probably as far as video games go, probably only used them for for Minecraft. I think uh, I've definitely like looked up like Grand Theft Auto, like say like finding stunt jumps and stuff like that. Because sometimes like just looking through and reading and looking at an image, like they're not very yes. specific. So I need to see like yes. exactly the angle I need to take, where I need to land. Because most of the time, like reading it is not very descriptive. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, usually the best ones are someone who's just like talking into like you know their webcam mic and just like, you know, talking over a video where they have like poor video and audio quality and they're like, you know, a minute and they get the job done. Like, you know, sort of thing. Like those are the best ones. Uh, I've definitely Sometimes used they don't even for, talk. Or Go yeah, ahead, or they or they don't even talk. They just yeah. like have text pop up on the screen like, do this. All right, do this. Do this. Um I've definitely used them for like music and stuff like that too. Like um how do I like produce or how to like create like certain effects using specific um programs and stuff like that i've definitely used that and it's sort of the same thing like you'll find good ones where it's just like they get right to the point tell you what you need to do explain how to do it and how it works versus the ones that are like here's like 60 seconds 70 seconds of me talking and then all right then you just throw this on and there you go and it's done I'm like, well, yeah, that doesn't ex- that like, doesn't explain like how it's yeah. used and how I want to change it to do this thing that I wanted to do. Yeah, it's it's finally enough. It's it's tied to like um, good pedagogy, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> how to like how to set up like a, a lesson plan or an idea, and yeah, not just dropping someone in the middle of you know whatever, or or assuming that they have items or knowledge that they they don't. So yeah, because yeah. Because you really do need them because, yeah, there are some things that just like when it's written down or you're just seeing like stills of the map or like of what people are doing, it does not work. You're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Or like trying to find like hidden things. Like I know like when we were playing Back for Blood, like trying to find some of those like hidden things, like you see an image of them like, okay, I know what that looks like, but I have no fucking clue where that is. And like where you're describing it on the map doesn't really make fucking sense. 
then you realize like someone does a video and like goes around a very specific oh okay no that makes perfect sense now but yeah like you no know oh, go ahead uh, i was gonna say what i found too and i don't know if this has been your experience but like sometimes there are things that people have not written anything out for and there's nothing in terms of like a written you know description but like i don't know if making youtube videos just easier like just putting some of your gameplay footage online but though i've often found that there are if there won't be like a like a web page for me to read, there'll be like at least three or four YouTube videos. Well, yeah, because it's it's super easy there. to just share that clip and then just upload it. Like you don't even have to put text or anything over. You can just put a description. Right. This is where the secret is in the video, and then like or you go know, secret is video form, and then just like literally just the video starts up. They go do the thing, and then it's over. Doesn't nice. require any talking or anything like that. But I really appreciate intent. And so like that video is like someone found a secret on their own and they're like, oh, I'll share that. And that's that's fine. Like, you know, that's probably useful to some people. But there was a site and I want to say it's called PowerPix. Um, P-O-W-E-R-P-Y-X, mm. I think. And I used that to get platinum on like Resident Evil 2 and 3 to do like the speed runs. Because they do that, they mostly just share the gameplay of one of them doing a speed run, but and it's mostly there's no there's no voiceover at all, but they will occasionally something will pop up and say like be careful not to do this. But not only that, but they do that play with the intention of like sharing it for that reason. So they'll swing the camera around to highlight things like to show you you know you have to look here first and then go here and so it's so it's a weirdly super impressive because it's like a silent movie kind of like they're they're telling me something without telling again text will pop up occasionally but if it's if if they're doing that run with the intent and like using the camera to guide me i feel like wow like that i didn't i didn't realize until i was like a few videos into that site i was like damn that's really cool like they do a really good job with that stuff but Paul, you were agreeing with that? You've used them before? Oh, absolutely. But I, yeah, and I was just going to add on too. It is like when they're done really well and you look and it's like just a channel that has like like 500 subscribers or something and you just see like how much effort someone puts into, you know, not probably making a lot of money. Like like some of them are right. really, really impressive. And like, yeah, I I, I have to say like, um, like as as much as they can be frustrating, like there are so many examples as well where I'm I'm actually really impressed and have ended up like following people on YouTube or subscribing to their channels because the, their guides are just amazing. So you did smash that bell. I did smash that. Um, bell. <laughs> but no, no, I know what you mean because like I, it's very easy to get frustrated by those videos and be like you're wasting my time. But as you said, some of those videos, those people had to play that game a lot and like put a lot of thought into the creation of the video. And, like, I feel like I barely have enough time to play the games that I have. You know, I have plenty that I haven't played yet. So the idea of, like, then going back and recording myself playing it again and doing voiceover or, like, being really, you know, particular about the camera and all that stuff, that's a lot of time. And then I have to to download all of it, upload it and all that stuff. So, yeah. So I, I like how this turned into... You know, we were like, oh, we hate these. These things fucking suck, too. <laughs> Man, we really appreciate them. Good no, I still, I still hate them. I still fucking hate well, them. I, well, okay, well, I I think they're great. Well, and, like, from software games are a great example because, like, they're, it's actually really hard, from my experience, to find really good, comprehensive introductions to a lot of their, their games. Like, you'll get, like, a 10-minute IGN one of, like, beginner's guide to whatever, but it doesn't tell you a lot of, like, really important information, and... 
there's this guy, I think he's called Dang It Jim or whatever, but he makes these beautifully <laughs> edited, organized sort of videos about how to, yeah, like how different mechanics in the game works, like things you want to keep in mind as you're building or leveling a character. And though, like those games in particular, I think because so many of those extra resources are made by other players, like it's made me feel closer to like a community of people playing a game than I felt in like really any other series, you know? And I just, I think like that yeah. stuff has such a wonderful potential if it's done right to like really enrich your, your sort of playing experience. Yeah. We should drop links. Um, if you'll send me a link to dang it, Jim, I'll post a link to him and power picks and the obviously not, not paid advertisements whatsoever, but, but yeah, spread the word about good content creators who are helpful, you know? So I've also been playing a little bit of grand theft auto online you played a little bit, Paul. I, I didn't get a good sense for how you were feeling with like, it seemed like you were a little frustrated with the user, the character creation, because it's impossible to make a good looking character in that game. <laughs> right. But, but in the opening intro kind of tutorial, what, how, what are your thoughts so far? No, I, I do really like it. And yeah, I was, <laughs> I was, I don't feel like it was an accident though. I almost feel like Rockstar is intentionally. <laughs> putting putting those obstacles in where like you you're selecting so like the way in gta online like the way you make your base character is by selecting both of your characters parents and like what a monster factory that is like you should see gary's character um <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare it's like a batman villain but like a like a d-scale batman villain Maybe a Dick Tracy villain, even. Oh, my God. Oh, like Al Pacino in the Dick Tracy movie. Like, just like Pac face. Like, it's just like he's just yeah. like just acne scarred all over the face. It's really terrible. Oh my yeah, character all- used to be ugly, too, because at the time be- when Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> he's, he's still pretty ugly. But the time when it came out, you could import your save from Red Dead Redemption so that your grandfather was... Um, what's John Marston. John Marston. John Marston. Thank you. And I was like, that is so fucking cool. Like, uh, how amazing is that? And so I imported it. I was like, I'm. This is fucking awesome. And then it generated a character, and I was like, I want to kill this person. <laughs> like, it's, it's so, it's, it's so ugly. And then I had to go through of like, do I get rid of it and get rid of that really cool thing of having John Marston as my grandfather, just because he produces ugly ass kids? And I'm like, no, I got to keep it. So I kept it. I just wear a mask all the time. <laughs> I, I realize so that amazing. my character, uh, if I do not have a full beard on it, I have no chin for some reason. <laughs> and I, I've gone back and like tried to like look at like the, the character creator. And it's like, you can't really give yourself like any like definition in detail. Like, yeah, you don't have a chin and you look like an idiot when you, when you, when you don't. Uh, so I also just wear a mask all the time too. Cause it's just easier. So, but, well, also, I, but sorry, Paul, I interrupted. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I once once again, not unlike finding good clothes in Cyberpunk, I took it as a challenge. And I think I, I, I made him pretty good. I feel pretty good about him. I had to, yeah, it was the whole thing. I, had, I, I started off making like a female character, but then like the proportions and the clothes were just like looking really weird. Um, and so I, I freaked out and I changed it, but. Well, it's hard. So funny. It's hard, by the way. Well, that's the thing with the female character, like, because well, even just making a character in general, the clothes they give you to start are 
terrible at like showing you any definition of how your body is going to look. Because <laughs> um, I I made a second character and I made a female character and I was make it like remotely normal human looking. Um, oh, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, it's still it's still not great. But yeah, like just yeah. The, the starting clothes are so fucking terrible. You get like the really baggy ass clothing, or just like stuff that I'm never gonna fucking wear. So. Right, right, yeah, and that well, that's what I was running into. I'm just like I could not find an outfit for her that worked, and I'm like, oh god, is this gonna be? Like, is this like what the rest of? Because I love clothes in games. I'm a fashionista. I love dressing characters up. I will spend. And RPG is money that could be going to weapons, you know, helpful resources to advance me further in the game. I will spend on the armor or the sh- cosmetic items that affect stats in no, you know, way other than my secret cool stat, which I keep. <laughs> that, uh, you know, I, I level up in every game when I can. Um, but uh, yeah. I I was just like, oh shit, like is this what the rest of the game's gonna be like? Because all these options like suck, but yeah, maybe in another playthrough I'll I'll give that a chance. But I went with a dude. I feel pretty good about him. And then because I I got it for the PS5, they automatically gave me the Criminal Enterprise DLC. Hmm, so nice. I started the game with four million dollars. And then I got to choose the one thing I will say is like, I had no idea, (laughs) like they kind of explain it, but like, I wish there was a better tutorial system because they're like, pick a hideout, pick a business, pick a whatever. And I was like, but what does all this mean? And like, how is this going to affect me later? There's like, pick one, just shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I was telling you, we were on the, we were on chat and I was like, Oh, just save that for later. And you were like, I can't like, it's making me pick these. So it's kind of shitty. They're like, here you go. $4 million. Now fucking spend it. <laughs> and like, uh, but I don't wanna. <laughs> they don't know what they mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I did buy it, um, anyways, and uh, I got started. And uh, no, I mean, I didn't play for very long, but I I'm really excited to play it with you guys. Um, the driving felt really good. I think that the world will be super fun to explore once I'm out of the tutorial section which i might be in a sort of elongated tutorial section because of all the criminal enterprise stuff what they did is they originally to play through the game or to play online you had to complete the prologue of gta 5 and then you'd get dumped into the game and have like a couple like opening missions they basically for this since it's a standalone thing they redid it and it has its own onboarding specifically for online so joey and i don't even know what this is uh, but it's right. basically like a complete new onboarding system. So I have no clue what you're going through and I have no way to help you. <laughs> That's I was. Yeah, I was when we were on chat, he kept asking like, do I, what, what is this? What I'm like, I don't know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that doesn't sound familiar. Um, but I can't, I just can't wait to you. It lets you out into the open world. I know it's frustrating that it's taking so long, but I can't wait to do stick ups. Cause those are, you don't really get a lot of money, but they're fun to like practice things like getaways and stuff. I wish they still had armored cars, oh, armored yeah. trucks, yeah, because those were super fun. But they got got rid of those people. People were making too much money off of them. <laughs> well, we um, had that issue where that one kept spawning, and yeah. we just you could just keep blowing the doors off of it. We got you get like ten, like anywhere from like six to ten thousand dollars each time, and we did we were able to do it like a handful of times before the game crashed on us. And then there was criminal records. Criminal records is pretty yeah. great. 
there was a, a, a the racing was broken. So criminal records this is like really short lap around the prison, and it's basically like one lap is thirty seconds. Like it's really quick to do, and you could set it. We would set it to like five laps. And basically, what would happen is it would anytime you would take the lead, you would get bonus RP, and oh. so like it, you know. Like if you took the lead, it would give you RP and then like someone else go. And then if you like drafted, you'd get RP and stuff. Well, it was completely fucking broken because you could be in the lead the entire time and still get it saying you're, you're in the, you've taken the lead. Even if you were in second place, you would still get it. Uh, so it was just the two of us and I crashed and I'm like two laps behind Ron would at first, before we knew it was a thing, Ron was like, Ron thought I was catching up because it was like on his screen would say lost the lead. And he's like, what the fuck? You were like way behind. And then we found out that, yeah, it's a thing. So, yeah. So we just kept doing so. criminal records like hundreds of times, uh, just doing this fucking five. La- we should have, what yeah. we should have done is we should have made it like the insane amount of laps and just done that because then you'd get even more RP from it. But nonetheless, but we were like, trying to get money too. Yeah. So, yeah. You could only get so much money uh, per race. But, yeah. Yeah. That was, those are, those are fun times. The broken Good days times. Good times. Of, of two generations ago. <laughs> yeah that's that's wild to think about but um what have you been playing around uh i actually touched on some of the games that i was going to be talking about in the uh, uh oh. the, the feature there um so I'll, I'll, don't I'll, spoil yeah. it but um but what, like one was of the, ones... the feature that made you go back and revisit them or yeah like... so i was trying to think of like a couple games i'm like i it was it was really hard for me to come up with stuff with off the top of my head because i can only think of like super popular stuff so i'm going through some like files and stuff like that and specifically looking at like playstation era stuff because there was just so much stuff that came out around that time and a lot of it just kind of got swept under you know because of various reasons and i actually loaded up uh loaded which is top down like three quarters ish view shooter it's kind of like it's kind of like a twin stick shooter except it was you didn't have six at the time it was all the uh, old school uh, controller, but yeah. The game, that game's still kind of fun. It's really fucking hard. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to think of how to better describe it. Yeah, it's like a twin stick shooter without sticks. Like you're using like shoulder buttons to like lock a strafe so you can strafe back and forth. Uh, it's about like people in a mental institution trying to break out in like the future, and it's like maximum security and like there's guns and guards and stuff like that and bosses. What's that it's Miami good. game? A uh, Hotline Miami. Is it something oh. like that? It's kind of like Hotline Miami, except it's 3D polygonal and maybe not as fast paced uh, or okay. as puzzly as a Hotline Miami is. But it's a, it's yeah, I could see like Hotline Miami taking vibes from from Loaded, as far as like it's it's a, a, not aesthetic, but it's like shooting abilities and stuff like that. So gotcha. Yeah, when you were talking about it, I was like, it sounds like the strafing made me think of yeah it's a fun it's a fun game but it's i mean that's 96 or something like that i believe it's yeah it's old it's 95 december 12th 1995 shit yeah it's an old game it just turned 13 years old not not long after happy birthday in the past (laughs) (laughs) thanks um it's almost old enough for jared leto 
Oh. <laughs> if you're listening, Jared Leto, shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> Email us with your response. <laughs> oh. I'm sure he's on it. He's like, I'm going to find one podcast that says something nice about Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> no one talks about Morbius this way. <laughs> Uh, we haven't seen it, by the way, so we're not <laughs> we have, we're not judging. But um, but let's all right, let's let's get to our feature then. So, as mentioned, we're talking about forgotten slash underappreciated gems. So these could mean that they were poorly received at launch, uh, and maybe they found a following later, or maybe they've never been appropriately appreciated. And I think that can include popular games. I think you can argue maybe that a game was like popular but not even even then not appropriately appreciated it would be a little bit of a stretch if you were like world like of a Warcraft like a resident or evil or assassin's creed those resident, games. those are perfect examples those yes are because perfect example. yes you could pull reviews from a certain publication well which will rename egm less oops i mean nameless <laughs> its initials uh, are egm where they were like this game is lackluster or it's not as good as the first game or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah we're, they, they'll go out of their way in a review that's not even about the game to shit on it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> or they'll give a groundbreaking, revolutionary, you know, third-person action adventure game a four, like, out of ten. Four what the fuck? I mean, out of ten. A piece of garbage. I opened my game box and there was a cat turd inside. There we go. There's my four. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned this last week on the podcast, but I sent it to the, the group chat. Both Assassin's Creed and Resident Evil, the two games that we're referring to right now, because when we went over who knew that review, we read reviews of the original Assassin's Creed and then we, we read reviews of um, Resident, Resident Evil, Evil 2. 2. And in Resident Evil 2, all four reviewers were like, I didn't like the first game or the first game was like sloppy or unfinished or whatever they said. They shit all over it. And then the Assassin's Creed review as well. The highest review, if I remember correctly, was a seven for the original Assassin's Creed. And the lowest was a four or a 4.5. They did not like Assassin's Creed. So we were like flabbergasted by that. And then last week or two weeks ago, um, both of those games, Resident Evil 1 and Assassin's Creed, were inducted into the video game Hall of Fame. So For being complete pieces of for shit. Being complete pieces of <laughs> shit. I love the... Is that Frank's tail? That's Frank, yeah. Ron's, ta- Frank. Ron's cat's tail just keeps going <laughs> past the camera. Frank had to chime in about yeah. this grave injustice. This is what I feel. Or he's like, this is what I feel about those games. Uh, it's their dinner time. I'm going to go feed him real quick, so we'll take a quick five-minute pause. That's why he's right. fucking all over me. Let's do it. He's fucking all over you. Wow. (laughs) But okay, so we are back from our break and ready to talk about some underappreciated gems. uh, Gems. No, gems. Gems. How many are we we doing? I'm only going to do two. I have two as well. Okay. I have three. Well, you're only going to do two. Okay, I'm only going to do two. And a bonus one. So okay. let's just start. Anyone have one? I'll they start under- since I had right. since I was since yeah, I was playing yeah, yeah. um um my first one, I Joey, I, I believe you we have played this game at least once. Uh but as a game, as I said, it's on PlayStation, came out in 
America on September 30th, 1996. So it's a very early PlayStation game. Uh, it's called Blast Chamber. Uh, I will link the, uh, put this in the show notes here so we could, so you guys can look at it and follow along. It is a, um, let's see how to describe it here. It is a game period period. Um, it is a four player kind of like futuristic sports game in the sense that like, you know, it's a sport to have a bomb strapped to your chest with the timer going down and you have to, you're in a cube. You're in like this, like obviously showcasing the 3d. So you're in like this like cube room that's either sometimes just a, just a cube and you can run around in a 3d space or it has like platforms to like jump up on and stuff like that. And basically what you have, you have like, I think like the standard is like uh, a minute or whatever. And you basically get a ball, like you grab a ball and it freezes your timer and stops it from going down. So basically it's like kind of like oddball in, in a halo or whatever, like capture some sort of capture. You hold on to something and that's what basically gets you to win. And as players, you know, timers go down, they explode and like you could either have it set to lives. You could have it set to, you know, one, one kill and that's it on the last man standing sort of thing. It also has like a puzzle mode. Like you have to get certain things uh, to like, you know, like get through like 40, I think it's like 40 different levels or something like that. You can increase your time. There's like power pickups you can get like speed and stuff like that. I played the shit out of this game. Uh, when I had it, <laughs> I played, usually played it with just another one of my friends and like, that was it. Like we, I never really did the, the, uh, story mode stuff because it was kind of kind of shitty uh, like the hit detection and stuff like that was kind of weird as far as like jumping on platforms and stuff like that like it would seem like you would like jump up and like you'd be clearly on the platform but you'd like slip and miss it or overshoot it or something like that and actually I went, went back and looked at it actually got some okay reviews too uh, I was able to find the GameSpot review kind of six not terrible. Uh, the Saturn version got a 5.1, but eh, it's a Saturn who gives a shit about Saturn, right? <laughs> I found the IGN uh, review. Oh, what was that? What it, it, they they kind of basically compared it to Bomberman in a way, huh. which that's kind of it's kind of like a 3D space Bomberman, except like instead of planting bombs, you have the bombs to you. Let's see. Uh, the chamber rotates too. You when you're playing single player, I think you actually can rotate it using the triggers. Maybe not. I can't remember. But then in the multiplayer mode, I think there's like points that you can jump. I honestly can't remember. I didn't do much multiplayer when I was playing. Real quick, game doesn't really hold up as much as I remember it. But I, that could also be an issue with the emulation. I would like to try it again with other people. Uh, but it was generally, generally well received. But then someone did a review called it's from honest honestgamers.com and they did a the review of the Saturn version, which again that was not already the, the good version. And they fucking hated it. Uh, <laughs> oh no. It got a one star out of five. <laughs> when um, was that review done? This review I don't see a date on it. But they specifically okay no there it is uh community review so uh 2013 okay I was gonna say it sounds like someone playing it because a lot of those old games at the time 
especially like a multiplayer game like that, like four players on a PlayStation was like, wow, cool. That's probably why we rented it because we would always go to Blockbuster and look for. Oh, no, I, I own this game. You did? I own this game. Oh, yeah, wow. I have a physical copy of it. And that's why I could play the emulated version because I own a physical copy of it. It is a backup that I created myself. That's what I'm going to say. Wink, wink. Deleting it after 24 Alabama hours. National that's, that's Alabama National Fair. Alabama National But yeah, it's just like I look back at that game and just kind of remember like hanging out and just like playing this game. And I I always enjoyed it. I would, again, like to maybe Boys Club, like kind of like try to play it again and see, see if it holds up playing against uh, other people or not, or if it's still not that great. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I always remember. I always thought it was fun. As soon as you said it, I, I had flashbacks of playing it. I but I I can see why you'd say it's underappreciated because I wouldn't have been able to recall that from my own memory. But mm. then when you said it, I was like, oh god, yeah, I do remember that game. Yeah, we played the shit out of that for a while because you yeah. had the multi tap and we were able to actually play it. Did together I thought you with, had the multi tap? No, you own the multi tap. I don't have a multi tap. Oh shit, you bought the multi tap. Because that's how we played like SmackDown and stuff like that. You have the multi-tap for the NES. I have the four-play, yes. Yeah. Not the, I'm sorry, not the four-play, the four-score. The four-play is the Genesis version because they were edgy. Four-score. What a dumb what a dumb name. Yeah, that's that's also... I mean, they're... Patriotic. <laughs> is that game the available Japanese on anything? Company. Uh, probably not. It was an Activision game. Uh, the developer's attention to detail, hmm. which I didn't look into their other stuff they did uh roll cage that's a game that sounds vaguely familiar it sounds um, like the same thing <laughs> yeah it's a it's cage a, that, that you roll around that's, that's a racing that's a racing game i know that is uh, actually a racing game in a tube and they made uh, cube spinner <laughs> box and they need bomb squad <laughs> um no they haven't really they've done a couple things here and there some some of it sounds familiar but they did an indiana jones game for the amiga wow. they did incredible hulk the phantom saga for hmm. playstation and salt lake city 2002 which is the winter olympics for playstation hmm. 2 and then that's all i oh they also did a, the sydney 2000 olympics as well what was that game that used to be advertised in gaming magazines? And I was like, no one has ever played that game. It was like a puzzle game. Was it? It's like a puzzle game. And it would show these like really slick, reflective 3D surfaces. And I think it was like you roll cubes around or something. Oh, Intelligent Cube? I think, yeah, I think that might have been it. And I'm like, no one's ever fun. played it, but it looked fucking cool. I, 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 I only played the demo of it for the longest time because it was apparently really hard to find hmm. and I found it once when I was working at the video game store and I'm like eh, it's like $25 I don't know if I want to spend that much on it and I'm sad I didn't because now it goes for like 60 70 80 Shit. and you had and like a 30% discount and, or something right yeah and it oh no I got it at cost but oh, yeah. but it, it like you did it, it, it was like a super limited release and then that was it and Damn it's not it. available any other way digitally or not so but I have ways more to like unintelligent so. rube. Hmm? You didn't. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Paul, what's your first underappreciated or forgotten gem? Yeah. So um, my first 
forgotten, underappreciated gem is Ultimate Spider-Man, the greatest Spider-Man that no one apparently has ever played. What's that on? It's fucking amazing. So it came out in 2005 for the PlayStation 2, hmm. Xbox, and GameCube. And then there's also a separate um, Game Boy Advance um, Nintendo DS game, which obviously played very differently because um, obviously those handheld systems are very different um than those consoles but it came out yeah like a year after spider-man 2 which gets brought up all the time i feel um as like the last great spider-man game until this recent sort of insomniac resurgence but it is fucking awesome it um sort of takes place within the universe of the rebooted ultimate spider-man series that sort of came out of marvel comics um and as a matter of fact, um, the the writers for that that sort of series are actually wrote the game as well, and it takes place like canonically within that universe, which is very cool. Um, the cell shaded graphics are absolutely gorgeous. Um, if you want to like Google images from the game itself, like it looks really good. It actually looks very similar to an art style that Telltale will sort of um, steal. Like years later, like they're they're making games that look very very similar to this, but. Um, the web singling was great. There are a ton of really awesome like bosses. Um, unlike I think, or other Spider-Man games, like they made these really great like Peter Parker sections and like actually made a lot of effort to not just include gameplay and stories revolved around like Peter Parker as Spider-Man, but also to like capture some of the the Peter Parker regular life in there as well. And um, the really cool thing that this game did was you didn't just play as Spider-Man. Half the game you're playing as Venom, as Eddie Brock as well. And um, those sections were absolutely amazing. Like, he played completely differently. He was, like, super strong. You could, like, throw cars. You could, like, absorb and feed on people, like, to regain your health. And, um, yeah, uh do all do all kinds of things and yeah their stories sort of wove in with one another which is really really neat um yeah and there there are all kinds of great moments um like the the boss battles are amazing or like they they did a really cool thing where like your combat like your tutorial for playing is venom you like throw a car into the window of a bar and then like wolverine's in the bar and then you like fight wolverine as a way of like learning how to play as venom and like they would do cool things like that all the time or you'd be on a mission and all of a sudden like a um like one of the goblin green goblin like pumpkin bomb things would just like show up or whatever and then you'd suddenly be you know in a chase with like the green goblin or something and like and they were fuck it was really cool really well written played really well um but no one talks about it anymore and i i haven't really met anybody else who's played it but it's really really cool as far as the reviews go it did pretty well and people were pretty fond of it uh, at the time. So um, the Metacritic score for the PS2 sits at a 74 and um, it ranges. I think the highest rating was like a 95. The lowest rating I think was like, uh, let me see. Yeah. Like a oh, 30. <laughs> so wow. like, yeah, and the, the the biggest thing I've sort of seen across people complaining about it was that the campaign was, like, a little bit short. But, um, one, I, I think that, like, that is 
like for me, I think it ended up taking me like 20 to 30 hours to beat. Um, that's with doing some of the open world side content stuff. But like one, I, I just think that game length and how reviewers respond to it is super interesting because I think a lot of attitudes about that have changed across time. Oh, yeah. um, case in point, when everyone was complaining about how long silent hill 2 was in the review at a whopping 10 hours you know so it's just it's interesting to see like kind of how that changes but like to me i would rather have you know if you're you're looking at quality versus quantity i would rather have a shorter game that like is packed to the brim with like amazing sort of moments and like really well written and designed you know missions and yeah i don't know i think like that fault is totally, you know, forgiven in my book for all the other awesome things it does. And yeah, I just think it's awesome. More people should play it. And yeah, I, I would love to see another Spider-Man game like that, which really embraces um, sort of not like necessarily like photorealism, but a more like animated look. Like, I mean, one of the amazing things about um, Into the Spider-Verse was that, yeah, it, 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 was free within that sort of animated style to do a lot of things that like a, a you know live action Spider-Man couldn't. So yeah, I, I would love to see more games like this, but Ultimate Spider-Man is my my first pick. Well, you're not going to see it because Treyarch is doing nothing but Call of Duty games now. For yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, yes. It, it, it was from a different era where they made other games <laughs> on occasion. <laughs> well, you say you've never met anyone else who's played it, but guess what? You've met these guys because we played it because Gary owned it. I think he probably what? ended up selling it. But we were I when I as soon as I saw the artwork because I looked at it, I was like, I remember that game. I remember being really excited for it. And Gary is a huge Spider-Man fan and would buy. I think he bought like every Spider-Man game that came out at the time <laughs> and we would end up playing it over at his house and we played this one I remember and it reminded me at the time of Maximum Carnage. I don't know if you ever played that for the Super Nintendo or Genesis, but mm. it's the same sort of thing. You play as Spider-Man and then you switch over to Venom and as soon as you said you switch over to Venom, I was like, oh, and in the Maximum Carnage, you like pick up cars and same exact thing here. So... Yeah, I remember playing it and loving the art style. I only played it at Gary's house, so I don't have... I didn't... When you said Ultimate Spider-Man, I was like, what game is that? I haven't heard of that. And then as soon as I saw the artwork, I'm like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I remember it being fucking cool. And like you said, the cell shading, which was like new at the time, looked super cool because it was... It converted the comic book look to a video game, which was, again, so novel at the time. So, yeah, I, 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 that's a great pick. I love that game. Yeah, and it, again, it just feels largely forgotten. I don't hear people talking about it all the time, like yeah. in the grand history of Spider-Man games. But yeah, it's totally worth checking out. I think it's super cool. And yes, we will. It, it started, you know, we praised like Arkham Asylum for bringing on like Paul Dini, right? Mm -hmm. From like the animated series to write it and bring in so many voice actors. Like how closely this game is tied to, again, that, that comic series and like the people who created it, like, I don't know that that that's just so cool, and I would love like more collaborations like that to to exist across different sort of mediums. Yeah, like Cyberpunk's a great example of that. Cool tabletop RPG, you know, cool action, you know, RPG video game, and like having yeah, I guess more of the more of those connections, that would just be awesome. Yeah, like we'd love to have a video game version of. What was it, Ron? Jonathan Frakes is trying to get your attention. 
Oh yeah, uh, I forgot what it was called. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> we want that in video game form, full, fully uh, motion captured and voice acted by Jonathan Frakes. That would be perfect. Um, uh, my first underappreciated game is, and this is part partially why earlier I said, well, it can't be a, a pop, pretty popular game because this game at the time was pretty successful but i do feel like it's kind of like we've been talking about been lost to the sands of time a little bit um onimusha for the playstation 2 mm. <gasps> have you played that yes. Fuck yeah, yeah. okay that i awesome. i was as i was writing up my notes about it i was like if paul hasn't played this i was like he should because at every bullet point that i write to myself i'm like this sounds like a paul game like i know you love samurais you love like demon souls and like you know all these things so uh, yeah, Onimusha came out for the PlayStation 2 in 2001, so it was an early PlayStation 2 game. It was the first PlayStation 2 game to reach 1 million sales, so that's why, again, it's, it seems weird to say, oh, it's an underappreciated gem. But again, it was early in the PlayStation 2 lifestyle, or lifestyle, life cycle. Um, it's basically, if you haven't heard of it or haven't played it, it's basically Resident Evil in Feudal Japan. It was originally meant to be a ninja Resident Evil. That's how they were thinking of it. It was going to take place in a mansion. There were going to be booby traps, hidden doors, ninja stars. And it was originally planned for the N64 DD, which kind of blows my mind. I'm like, there's no fucking way. There's no way that would have worked. But um, it has, with with regard to Resident Evil 2, it has the fixed camera pre-rendered backgrounds. But the gameplay is very different. So you play... Samanasuke, a samurai, and you have a katana, a bow, elemental powers, and even a flintlock pistol at one point. You fight demons and absorb their souls. Sounds familiar. Um, and then occasionally you have a female assistant named Kaide, who's a ninja, so she's more agile and acrobatic, feels very different. And so I love getting to play those two characters, feels very different. Um, the graphics at the time were great, so I know that they're even at the time, there were some some people that were like did not like the pre-rendered backgrounds, and I understand that. Like at that point in time, they they were starting to feel outdated. But when I go back now and look at a game like Resident Evil Zero, or probably you know Onimusha, I'm guessing the pre-rendered backgrounds look great. Like they look, it does not look like a game from 2001. Uh, and this game was remastered in 2019 for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and Steam. So if you haven't checked it out. It should be available on the on your console of choice now, um, but they again the gameplay was very like you're just fighting demons and it was very fun. You could do some really cool combos, and um, the music was really good. I remember the music feeling so spooky and atmospheric. And this is I read this from Wikipedia from Time Magazine, so they're quoting Time Magazine. It says to record it. Samara Gochi uh, browbeat the producers into employing a 200-piece orchestra, including musicians playing such traditional instruments as a Japanese flute and taiko drums. The result is both haunting and inspirational, reminiscent of majestic scores for films like Lawrence of Arabia. Um, and I think that's fitting. I think the soundtrack is a, is a real banger. The sequels were fine. Um, the third one even has Jean Renault in it. Uh, yeah i remember that <laughs> but i don't remember it living up to like i think it was kind of an by that point the playstation library was so vast and there were a lot of really good games out so that one sort of went under the radar 
I own it. I don't even know if I played it. I think I bought it and I was like, I'll get around to it. And I never did. But the first game, I the first two games, I still remember super fondly. And the second game, it's a short, some, uh, unrelated, somewhat story, because Ron was there. We went to a GameStop. And this was one of the times where like I learned that I was really, I despised the GameStop business structure or practices. We went into GameStop and I saw a used copy of Onimusha 2 for $45, I think it was, and then a brand new copy for $20. And I was like, what? Like, There's no way. And so I asked the person at the counter, I was like, so this is the new copy for $20 and this is the used copy for $45? And they were like, yeah. They were like, Capcom did a price drop and we don't, we can't like change our used prices for that, which I mean, I guess I understand. Yeah. But I was like, all right, I'll take the new copy for $20. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck, man? So that's how I got Onimusha 2. They did do a, uh, that price drop was pretty quick too. Like it was, it was not long after it came out. But, um, but yeah, it wasn't reviewed poorly. It got an 86 on Metacritic for PS2 back in the day. I just feel like, again, it's not one of those games that comes up in conversation. I don't, I rarely hear people talking about it with like nostalgia or anything, but. Uh, I I really liked it, and I'm glad that you played it, Paul. What did you What did you What was your story playing it? Yeah, I remember them being really cool. They were rated M, correct? Yeah, yeah. So th- this was a uh, Paul goes over to a friend's house, mm. you know, slightly more you know hip, flexible parents, and then plays it there. So yeah, I played. Um, I think the f- yeah the first three entries in the series in big chunks um, at a friend's house and loved it thought it was so cool and yeah it, ha- it has everything i i love <laughs> obviously um supernaturally things like samurai sword things um also like really slick pre-rendered cutscenes as well yeah. which were incredible um at the time and definitely got me really excited yeah and i i just thought they were in the cat's pajamas but i have not since since that time, I have not gone back to them. So maybe this this episode will be um, inspiration for me to play these remastered versions, which I guess are out there that I, I was not really aware I of. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I didn't even know it got remastered, honestly. Same. Yeah, that's why when I saw that they were remastered, I was like, oh, shit, should I put them on the list? Like, obviously, someone was thinking of them. But I'm like, why didn't I know that they were remastered? Like, again, it's just no fanfare. I think I remember there being really cool finishing moves, too. Where you would do like a yeah. combo and then like do this really cool flourish and like impale them with your katana. It was it was really fucking cool. So so yeah, that's my my first one. Ronnie Boy, what's your next one? My my number two, again, also a uh PlayStation game. Another game that we have probably played, Joey. Uh together. Do, do we bring it up on every episode? Let's nope. Start with okay. Nope. Nope. Okay. Just checking. Nope. It's a PlayStation one game, not a PlayStation two game. It is a little game called Trap Gunner, by uh, published by Apps, uh, Atlas in America, Konami in Japan. Oh. Wait, wait, um, wait. At- Atlas, as in Persona Atlas? Atlas released this game in Japan and North America. Shit. And wow, uh, Konami uh, did it in Europe. Hmm. It is another like puzzle-ish game, uh, strategy puzzle. Yeah, same thing, kind of like a, or not same thing. This one's uh, two-third or quarter perspective like top down ish where you have uh, a select amount of characters to choose from each with like varying abilities like speed or whatever 
and you can actually uh basically it's you set traps and sort of kind of like a bomberman thing you like get them to fall into these traps and all that stuff again it's another game that's kind of just like i had i remember playing the shit out of it with friends and putting on the chat right now um and i honestly don't remember anybody else really talking about this game uh it did come out pretty late in the playstation life cycle uh released in 98 so like two years before the playstation 2 or a year i guess uh, depending on where it was released but yeah like the scores like it actually got pretty decent scores uh game rankings before it was called metacritic uh had a 71 uh egm egm gave it a barely low review of getting a 5.75 out of 10 uh, Famitsu gave it a 29 out of 40. Better than Assassin's Creed. You know what I'm better than Assassin's Creed. Yeah, Much geez, better. <laughs> uh, GameSpot gave it a 7. IGN gave it an 8.9. Next Generation gave it a 4 out of 5. But yeah, it's got a really neat art style. Uh, I remember being fast-paced. Uh, this one I actually didn't play when I was uh, checking out the, the games. But I, I just saw it in the list. But yeah, it's just it, it was just a fun... like I, Again, same thing. Never played the story mode because it was like you're it was more puzzle based and like you're trying to fight against like computer AI, which always seemed kind of cheap. And it had like some like weird boss battles and stuff like that too. But I just remember playing the shit out of it with friends and probably never get to play this again because who knows about this game besides you now we've been cursed. We've been cursed. Now you must be forced. Um, Yeah. It had a really neat art style and like it had, full voice acting and stuff like that. A lot of the, the reviews compare it to the spy versus spy game from NES, which I don't, hmm. I don't really remember that game. I don't think I ever played that game. Hmm. Honestly, now that I think about it, but yeah, I definitely want to, I looks, definitely want to fire this game up again and give it a go. Yeah. It looks very weird. I'm looking at the artwork. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, the artwork and the like gameplay style, like don't really like, or like the actual, like, like the actual way that the art looks in game, like there's there's a there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Did Atlas um, develop it, or or did they just no? It? it was developed by where is this? Uh, wrecked him. Damn near killed him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some Japanese developer. Let's see what did they do. They did they did the Bomberman game. Some of the Bomberman games later oh, on. Okay. They did the full Metal Alchemist games. Snowboard Kids. They developed Snowboard Kids. You can uh, get it on Amazon for only $399. I saw that too. Wait, was... hold on. Is this game worth money? <laughs> yeah. If you have a copy of this game, Ron, maybe you should. Especially if it's an unopened copy of it, this game. My, my game is open and loved, but it's not scratched. I can tell you that much. Hey. Oh, yeah. Geez, 70 can... bucks on eBay? Shit. Yeah, you can get yeah. a pretty penny for this. Um, do it. No, no, don't do it. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. it does, yeah, it looks pretty rad though. Yeah, it, I mean, make... wait until it gets re- wait until like right before it gets re released on some sort of digital service and the price drops. Sell it before the then. price never drops though. I always wanted to like when Persona Two was going to come out. I was like, great. Now it's not going to be two or three hundred dollars on eBay. Still two or three hundred dollars because they know so it's two. collectors that are going for it. You know, yeah. yeah, it's not someone who just wants to play this game on a whim, which is the type of person to download it from PSN. So I've never seen an instance 
of a game coming out digitally and then the price dropping, you know, so much that I'm like, now I can finally get a copy of Tales of Destiny 2 or whatever. So I, I've seen yeah, I mean, I've seen that happen a handful of times. I've seen it happen more so with music than anything else. Mm. Yeah, uh, I really like the guy game, famous example. Famous, yeah. <laughs> you can get on the Switch now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> brand new copies of the game because people just had to play it. We're going for like $2,000. And then it came out better on the Switch. Guy game better on the Switch. And now... Yeah, now you, you, you'll get a nickel for your, and your, your unopened copy. It's patched so that it's not illegal anymore, so it's all the same, you know, participants from the original game at their current ages. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely want to. I definitely want to pop this game in again and and give it a play. So yeah, maybe, maybe Boys Club we can we can throw on some old games. Cool. Yeah, I'm down. Paula Rooney, what's your next game? So my next pick is a game that we have talked about on this podcast before, but it deserves further spotlight. I'm talking about 2005's Batman Begins. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say Thronebreaker for a second yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Ron, don't bury the, the lead because I have an outro. So he, has, he does have a third game. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but uh, no, I think that this game is, is rad as hell. Um, it came out, yeah, in 2005 alongside the the, the, the movie. Um, it was developed by Eurocom, who have since gone out of business, unfortunately, um, published by EA Games. I think this game is cool as hell. One of the most important sort of... I think um, underappreciated games, certainly in the the history of Batman games um, ever. And also, yeah, there, there's a ton about it to love. Um, it looks gorgeous. If Wikipedia is to believe, this is because it's running on the Mortal Kombat 4 engine, which like, what? Wow. <laughs> That's bananas. Because um, I'm like, why does this game not look like other games of that era? Um, and maybe that's part of an explanation for it. But um, it had all of the original voice cast from the movie, with the exception of Gary Oldman coming back to it, which was awesome. It, it follows the events of Batman Begins, which is which is excellent. And I think that this game is so you know important and and unfairly sort of unremembered because all of the these features in it, like the stealth system in which you're terrorizing enemies, you know, um, grabbing them, you know, from the shadows and, and, and sort of doing all these things or like using gadgets to solve puzzles or like gliding around as Batman. A lot of those things, which when they end up, you know, showing up in Arkham Asylum, you know, just four years later, they're treated as like, oh my God, this game did it for the first time. Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> Batman Begins was there first, you know, and they sort of, they were doing that thing, those things well before then. And um, yeah, I thought it was really, really great. Um, critical reception to it was pretty lukewarm. Uh, I think it, on the PS2, it's sitting at a Metacritic score of... 64. 64, yeah. What I get from the impression of reading... Like, reading a lot of these reviews is... Um, 
people are, have like complaints about like the combat or other things, but actually like digging into them, the impression that I got is that at this time when there are so many licensed games coming out, there is a real stigma against licensed games being sort of cash cash grabs yeah. for like movies that are coming out at the same time. And I really got the sense, especially from reading like the IGN review, which actually, interestingly enough, was a special like they did sort of like a conversation review between two reviewers about the game itself, was that that stigma sort of colored their entire perception of the game where like they were looking for opportunities to like shit on it or like compare it to like or, or, or frankly just stop talking about that game specifically and talk about like licensed games in general being really bad. And um yeah, I think like that's, one that's of kind their of a compl- shitty review. It is, it is, and I think a lot of games were doing it instead of talking about like, oh, again, like what Batman games before this were really developing outside of just being like a brawler, like these like complicated sort of Batman terror stealth mechanics, you know, or or like again, bringing in like an entire movie cast to like sort of actually perform the game, which you didn't get like so often you would get like, Oh, well, that kind of sounds like Tobey Maguire. Or that kind of sounds like whoever, or you would get them in and they would sound like they were like, they were like held at gunpoint to deliver their lines. And this game wasn't like that. Like it really felt like they were, they're putting up a good effort. So again, because of its, its connection to a movie that I love because it's, um, I think innovating a lot of mechanics that, the Arkham series would go on to sort of perfect and like make more, you know, sort of prominent within like Batman gaming and Batman gaming to come. Yeah. I think this, this deserves some extra attention. So yeah, that's my, my second game. Yeah. If I remember correctly, the thing I kept hearing back in the day was like, eh, the game's okay, but the Batmobile sections are really fun. Like that seemed to be the thing that people would stick on is that's what makes the game worth it is the Batmobile sections. But when we had our Batman episode and we, we talked about it, you absolutely sold me. I was like looking for it on eBay, which is relatively cheap. You can find it pretty cheap on eBay um, with case and everything. So I'm probably going to pick it up at some point. But yeah, I think, you know, especially this, the, the, the scene where you're in the Batmobile and Rachel's in there and she's poisoned and you have to press X to Rachel. That's my favorite. It's probably my favorite. <laughs> Rachel! Right now, it's a quick time event. You have to scream <laughs> Rachel 30 times before <laughs> you drive through the waterfall. Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. Oh, that game, that, that section would be so harrowing too if it's like the driving controls of like Cyberpunk. You're like, <laughs> well, I, was, I, I was kind of. I was gonna say I was kind of curious, real quick, just to detract for a second. I was like, because we're talking about licensed games uh, in that era, I decided to see like what the Spider-Man PS2 game, because uh, I I remember like you know Bruce Campbell was in, it, but I don't remember anybody else being in it. Speaking of like you know not having the cast, and that actually got pretty decent reviews and all that stuff. Like it was pretty well received. Uh, and then that came out in '02. So basically within three years, like licensed games had like this apparently huge dislike and distaste. I mean, I guess there was a lot of shit that was coming out in between those times. But yeah, like it it had like no, no star behind it except Bruce Campbell. And it was just basically a 
a Spider-Man game. Which is weird. Like those Batman animated series games, and they had the voice the voice actors to do that. So oh yeah, I forgot about those games too. I feel like at that point in time, developers were finally starting to try. They were they were they seemed more independent independently creative and like let's take the essence of this idea and do something with it instead of let's because in the 90s especially in the 80s and 90s it was like you said a cash grab so it was you know let's put this in mario brothers let's put this in ninja gaiden like they would just try to overlay the ip on an existing thing Mm. and it almost never worked because you couldn't do that thing as good and so it's just this thing that I love that on this mecha- on these mechanics that don't make sense because you're just sort of forcing them and it's not as good as the other thing that's not the brand that I love. So it's like failed in almost every regard. Uh, I was incorrect. Uh, Toby Wire and William Defoe were in the game. Oh, shit. But they, they, they're, that was one of the things was Toby Wire's voice acting was apparently really bad. Yeah. So right. I, honestly, I don't remember them being in the game. I only remember Bruce Campbell. But that's probably because right. maybe the acting was bad. Because, yeah, you'd, you'd have a case with a lot of licensed games com- coming out that either, yeah, it would be like not that person at all or it would be them. But it would be like it was a it was a one take Friday afternoon job where they were like, oh, no, MJ. Yeah. Are you OK? And then just like, that's good, Toby. Thank you. And I guess I should get goodbye. over to the bus before the bomb goes off. <laughs> Whoa, that was scary. Right. Um, think like like Peter Dinklage and, and Destiny, right? I still it's haven't like, listened to those. I gotta listen to everyone says they're so bad. I have to listen so, to those. Oh, it's it's so bad. It's <laughs> just deflated of all enthusiasm. <laughs> well, speaking of, that's a pretty good segue to my my next pick, which is Star Trek Starfleet Academy Starship Bridge Simulator. That's a so, name. That is a name because the original game was just called Star Trek Starfleet Academy for the PC. I played in the game that I loved was it was the SNES version of that, which to delineate between the two, they added Starship Bridge Simulator on the end. So it's a big old mouthful. It came out in 1994, uh, developed by Interplay, and it was eventually ported to, I think, the Genesis 32X, but was not well received. The SNES version wasn't exactly well received either because the PC version, which I have not played, actually had full motion video sequences with William Shatner, George Takai, and a bunch of other actors, some of them from the series, some of them original in original roles. Um, and I watched the opening videos of that and exactly as we're talking about, like George Takai was pretty good. William Shatner William Shatnered his performance out of because like it was like it you know there's a there's all there's always been jokes about William Shatner not being able to act but he has like his thing and when he's doing his thing as you know Captain Kirk or whoever it works for that character and I don't think it's bad acting I just think it's unconventional but exactly like you said Paul it's like he rolled out of bed because there's this <laughs> he he and um Captain sulu at the time go up to the podium so it's at starfleet academy and there's like i don't know if it's like supposed to be the dean or someone is up there giving this like opening speech to the students and then captain takai he's like apparently working at the academy for two years gets up and gives his little speech i say captain takai captain sulu um 
And then he's like, oh, no, I'd like to turn he, it he's over probably to fine my... with Captain Takai. He's probably fine. Yeah, he'll take it. Um, he's like, oh, turn over to my distinguished, you know, colleague, Captain Kirk. And the whole time, like, Shatner's just standing there. Like, he looks like he keeps, like, looking around awkwardly, too. Like, he's like, what am I fucking doing here? He looks so uncomfortable. And then he, I'm like, maybe it's just, maybe that's part of this performance. Like, maybe he's going to get up there and he's like tense about something but no he gets up there and you can tell he's just like many people think about this as the most important time of their life but what they haven't thought about is and you can tell he's reading from a teleprompter oh it's so it's so bad but that's why we're not here to talk about the pc version we're here to talk about (laughs) the objectively inferior snes version which i love more (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't have full motion video the sound is an SNES sound chip. There's no cool cutscenes or anything like that. But it does use the SNES's, um, uh, what is it called? SFX chip? What is it called? FX oh, chip. So, Super so, FX yeah. chip. So does, yeah. does it have some Mode 7 shit in there? It has some fucking 3D rendered ships and planets, which on the Super Nintendo was fucking mind-blowing. But... One of the, but that's not really what I love. That was cool, but even at the time, I was like, this looks a little bit like butt, because, like, super polygonal and all that stuff. But um, you play the role of a young cadet named... Well, actually, you can fill in the name. Um, but you're at Command College at the Starfleet Academy, so you're you're training to be a captain. And then you have a crew of, like, a first officer, science officer, all that good stuff. Um, and then the game consists of virtual missions and simulations interspersed with social aspects at the academy so you'll like go on a mission and you'll be on the bridge acting as captain and telling your crew like okay let's go over here and inspect this and blah 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 and then when you're done with that mission you go back to the academy and you can go to your cabin and like sleep or check the computer like look at the database and look at like ships and you know aliens races and stuff like that you can go to the the mess hall and chat with your crew members Enjoy a nice non-alcoholic beverage, of course. Um, you can go to class and listen to lectures, which will give you tips on the next missions. And then, of course, you can go to, you know, go do missions um, when you're done, like, messing around. And when you're talking to your crew, you get to know their personalities. And you can, you, there are actually dialogue choices that can determine the ending that you get. There's only a few. But you'll get into these conversations with your your team members and some of them are like kind of standoffish and they distrust you and they're like very like, let's just get the job done kind of thing. Um, Some of them are kind of shy and you can like get them to open up and you can, you know, confront them like the confrontational ones. And that alters, again, choices that you end up making later in the game. So, and this is, 19, again, 1994. So, like, this is not, this is way before, like, Bioware and these other, like, choice-based games came out. But when you're on the bridge, so when you're doing the missions, you're, like, the camera ca- camera is kind of behind the captain's chair. And you see the screen. You can see, like, your team, you know, at their stations. And you can choose from a bunch of different options. So, you can, there's navigation where you, like, plot your course. Engineering, you can, like, fidget with numbers and shift power levels. So, if you want to do the cool thing that you see in the show, like divert all power to shields or whatever, or like cut powers to thrusters, or you can, you can actually go in and do that. And that's really kind of fun. Um, there's like science, the science station where you can like check your sensors and your radar, uh, comms to hail ships. 
and then you know you go to the helm to change alert status that was one of the most fun things is changing the alert status because if you watch star trek any of the shows that's they're like yellow alert and like you get to learn what that means and you get to actually practice that so like yellow alert means that you're just putting your shields up but your your weapons aren't active so if you encounter a mysterious ship and you go to to yellow alert they're not going to be aggressive because they're like oh they're just being cautious but if you immediately go to red alert which is more defensive and you power your weapons up they're going to think you're going to attack so that you won't even get to open a, a comms channel and talk to them they'll immediately attack you because they think you're going to attack them so you have to make these kind of decisions as captain um, and sometimes it would be better and like if you've played the game already you know like going into this mission they're going to fire on me whether i want to or not so like i can't talk them out of it so you want to go in with red alert but you shouldn't probably do that because again like as a simulation that's not what you're supposed to do um and you do plot your course to like warp to, to certain sectors. But when you get there, you actually get to control the ship. And it's like a flight sim and you can like fly around and it feels again, it's 1994. Don't go in expecting too much, but it feel, it felt very cool at the time to like fly in 3d space. Cause not a lot of games like that. Um, but there was just something at least, about at least on, on consoles. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't know about the PC version. I don't know if they they do that as well. But um, there was just something like having watched so much Star Trek The Next Generation, there was something about like entering an area of unexplored space and you get there, like you warp in and there's nothing and you start scanning for ships and you find like a mysterious abandoned ship or something. So you approach it and you scan it and there's no life signs. And then another ship appears out of warp behind you and you ha- you put yellow alert and you like hail them and you negotiate with the enemy and that falls apart and you start fighting them and then this other ship comes out of warp and starts fighting you and like that's it's like the fucking dream like it was so cool at the time and i went back and replayed it like 10 years ago and it was still if fu- i thought it fucking held up i thought it was so fucking cool you can even do the kobayashi maru um, which is the famous no win mission that's meant to teach mm-hmm. cadets that they will have inevitably face failure uh and in the movies in the show kirk cheats at it and he's the only cadet to ever beat it but guess what this is a video game so you can cheat and you can be the second cadet to ever beat it so (laughs) um and we were talking about this when we were talking about i think mass effect or something no no no, it wasn't mass effect but it was something where it's like i think about this game when i think about like what i want from another whatever star wars or star trek game i want i like that idea it's like a harry potter type thing too where you're like in school and you're training and you're like building friendships and being tested. And I don't know, there's just something about that. So yeah, I feel like this is not that Star Trek games are marquee games anyway, but I feel like this one in particular doesn't get a lot of love or credit. So you imagine there's like a sorting hat and it, it gives just some people red shirts and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, God, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> red shirts. Oh, fuck. Oh, God oh, damn it. Yeah. Uh, fun yeah. facts. Uh, the PC version had a supported multiplayer up to yeah. 32 players playing yep. together. Mm, holy shit. Uh, and the 32X version was ported by High Voltage Software, and it was one of their first games. Oh, shit. High Voltage Software being of Hoffman Estates, uh, local game developer. Wow. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I. Yeah. It's one of those games again where I like I loved it so much at the time that I'm like, surely everyone loves this game. I I don't know if anyone has ever played it that I've talked to. Even Gary, Gary is a big Star Trek fan. I don't. I remember seeing the box, it. like in advertisements and stuff like that, or like you know game magazines. But the I, box was boring as hell. It was just like yeah, that's what black. Yeah, it's it's, it's super generic and it's got and the, like the Star Trek yeah the communicator yeah and that's it. It's like and, how's yeah, that gonna... Starship Bridge Simulator? It looks it looks like it's a placeholder art. Yeah, I mean the game does not look good, so maybe that's why they're like, "What are we going to show?" Because it's a it's a pretty ugly game. But again, the pal I don't know the pal version actually used the like uh, PC cover art. Really? Yeah. But yeah, the story is pretty cool. Uh, Like I said, multiple endings. So, Uh, and speaking of which, so. I, I mentioned that I have three. I'm quickly, let me just please indulge me. I'm going to go through my third one because I saved it for last because my third one is Chrono Cross, which comes out today. Did I mention that? Did I mention Chrono Cross comes out today? You may have mentioned something about that. Yeah. So that game, I feel weird saying is like underappreciated. And this is the reason I wanted to include it because it comes out today. The fact that it's finally being remastered, I think shows that it was ignored. Like at the time it was pretty successful. It was well reviewed. It has like a 90 something on Metacritic. Um, but it had, it suffered from a couple of things at launch. So number one, it was a massive deviation from Chrono Trigger. So even the reviews that were glowing were like, it's not really a great Chrono Trigger sequel, but if you're like not going into it with expectations, it's a perfectly good RPG. And then it came out right around the same time as Final Fantasy nine, which Final Fantasy was already hugely established. I think it Final Fantasy sold like two, like no more than two, like three or four times as many copies as Chrono Cross. So it was easily overshadowed. Plus, at that time, JRPG still weren't quite other than Final Fantasy weren't quite as big as they are, which they're still not even huge today. But um, I won't go through too much of the story because we're trying to save time. But basically. The things that I love were are and the things that I'm excited for to play since it comes out today. I don't know if I, I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, you can recruit up to 45 different party members. So in this game, it's somewhat like Chrono Trigger in the sense that there's multiple dimensions. So in Chrono Trigger, there's multiple multiple time periods, and that was one of the things people were like, we're excited to travel to different time periods, but there's not. It's just two dimensions, two versions of the same world. But you can travel back and forth between these two dimensions. You can collect uh, or recruit up to 45 different party members, each with their own unique design and way of speaking. And, I mean, we're talking about bangers like Harley the Harlequin. Very sexy. Mm. Nikki the Rockstar. Pretty, you know. Poshul the Giant Fluffy Dog. Orcha the Chef. Draggy the Baby Dragon. I don't know if you notice that I'm getting more and more absurd. (laughs) Skelly the Skeleton Jester. Fun guy, the anyone, anyone? Uh, mushroom Fun guy, mushroom. He's a mushroom. He's a fucking mushroom. Yeah, he's a walking <laughs> oh, mushroom. Right. Yeah, there's like it's so fucking ridiculous. There's a guy made out of straw. Like it's a weird fucking cat. There's plenty of normal looking people too. Like you know, guy that looks like a is dressed in like knight's armor and stuff like that. But there's also all of these really like bizarre off the wall kind of characters. And you can recruit all of them and like, again, they all have their own side quests and their own like way of speaking and unique designs and you can go to the other dimension and if you run into them, like with them in your party, they say something about it. 
So that's really cool. It uh, retains Chrono Trigger's double and triple tech system where like two or three characters will team up for a special attack that's based on a combination of their unique abilities. And if you think about the fact that there's 45 characters and most of them have double or triple techs, so many fucking combinations. It's amazing. Uh, The graphics are super colorful and vibrant. The soundtrack is among the best of all time. It has a new game plus just like Chrono Trigger did. It has multiple endings like 12 different multiple endings. Um, it doesn't have a lot of the old JRPG flaws, so you can see your characters on screen. There's no random battles. You can, when you do the new game plus, you can fight the final boss at any time, and that dictates which of the 10 remaining endings that you get. So you can just, you know, start the game and go fight the final boss almost right away. So, yeah, I just thought it was, it was, it retained some of the revolutionary stuff from chrono trigger beautiful amazing soundtrack and again not that it was super unsuccessful but it has did not get a been perfect 10 from gamestop or GameSpot. sorry GameSpot. yeah yeah so it was an essential game according exactly to that. yeah so so go play it. it comes out today i don't know if i mentioned that but um i have other ones too i didn't write any notes on these but as i was going through my list of games i was like man there's a lot of games that i think were underappreciated in some form or another so maybe we'll, we'll let's do save them yeah let's save them for another episode. another episode yeah for sure um any anything i'm missing anything anyone want to no interject? i don't think so i think there's well, damn it, i think we're, I think we're done with this episode right okay well when i said that i picked two <laughs> games i was a filthy fucking liar because there is a third game that needs to be discussed Thronebreaker The Witcher Tales, of course. <laughs> Amazing. Came out in 2018. And yet you would have no idea because I am the only one who's played this other than Jacqueline who played it next to me. So I guess that's the one other person who I know has played this. Um, it came out um, to, I think, really solid critical reception. Has an average of 8.5 on Metacritic. It got an 8.5 from Game Informer, 9 out of 10 from GameSpot, 5 out of 5 from Games Radar. IGN gave it a 9.4 out of 10. Um, the list goes on and on. It was nominated for a ton of um, sort of awards at the end of the year. Um, global The Global Game Awards gave it Best Story, that, that one, that, that, that particular category. IGN. It got best PC game of 2018, and that's the People's Choice Award. People wow. voted, probably, probably me. It won the <laughs> best PC game of that year. It was nominated for best strategy game. Um, it won best puzzle game for SA Gamer Awards. But, um, Paul, P- I got to interject. It did not win best Polish game. What? So. It did not. <laughs> Shockingly enough, it did win though best single player game from PC World, and that's the editor's choice uh awards and then yeah the 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 following year 2019 because it was sort of an end of the year experience um it got nominated for um a writing prize by the new york game awards it won biggest surprise by game informers um you know end of the year thing which is a big deal um i was surprised by it as well so i get it game informer (laughs) Um, (laughs) it won um the editor's pick for best RPG at the the the, the France you know RPG Awards. Um, it won the audience review German Video Game Awards. It goes on and on and on. But the point is, 
well game, beloved, like well received game, beloved by me. <laughs> Not a lot of other people. It's awesome. Um, I think it, it. We can't let it be forgotten. More people have to play it. It keeps coming out on other devices. So like in 2021, years after its release and its sort of disappointing sales numbers, they brought it to Android. Um, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think a big problem in its release is that for whatever reason, I probably money, um, CD Projekt Red only released it on GOG.com instead of putting it like on Steam or on other platforms right away, because they're coming right off the heels of The Witcher 3, um, which is, like, obviously one of their their, their biggest-selling games, you know, especially well, to and, date. And CG Pro- CD Project Red is, like, huge on, like, non-DRM, and that's, like, all GOG is, is, like, non-DRM. That's their focus. So Right. Isn't was, that CD Project Red's site? Didn't they start that? No, I don't think they started Or they GOG. bought it or something They like might that? have some yeah, sort of... Yeah, they had a... a a vested interest okay. in sort of not releasing it elsewhere. But I oh, think that I'm sorry. Yeah, they, the own, they own CD. Yeah. yeah. So I think that just really hurt the game because other, other than that, like there, there is no reason why more people didn't at least sort of check it out other than like, oh, what? It's not on Steam. It's not, you know, available all these other places. So yeah, check it out, everybody. Taylor <coughs> as well, um, yeah, if you're listening. Um, yeah, check it out and play it right in. Um, send your concept art. Make here. Here's a fun one. Make up an award <laughs> that you think it should win. Best Try not to be mean. I will cry game. on air. <laughs> yeah. Oh crap. Well, now I want them to. That would be some great podcasting. No. Well, can you get a little closer <laughs> to the mic? Can you? <laughs> I want to hear these tears <laughs> running down your down your cheeks. Yes, I will. I've snapped many laptops, but this will be the first <laughs> laptop that I've ruined by drenching it with my tears. Um, but yeah, check it out. Totally underrated, underappreciated. I think it's fucking awesome and would love another person to talk about Thronebreaker with. Um, this doesn't have to be you, dear listeners, but just the idea that someone is experiencing it and writing in about it would be enough for me. And that okay. that giveaway st- still is still stands. So if you want to drop some fan art, even if you just want to make it up, just if you haven't played it, make up a character. Tell us what you th- tell us what you think Thronebreaker looks like, just based on Paul's yeah. descriptions of it. No, don't actually look at the game. Just make up something of what you think it is. Draw a character named Thronebreaker. What is that character? And uh, we'll give you a copy of the game digitally. The first person to do that. So. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. In the next couple of weeks, we have, I don't think we fully like solidified a schedule, but we're going to do a Super Mario Brothers movie watch through at some point. We want to do another indie swap this time with, with uh, this this panel here. So we'll figure out when we want to do another game. So that's kind of the next few weeks. But but yeah, thank you for listening. You can find us on social media. I'm on Twitter at Lost for Man Rounds on Twitter at Big Bad Ron and on Instagram at Not Big Bad Ron handsome boy frank for his lovely kitties you can email us at pretty pixels podcast at gmail.com tell us all about your experience with the guy game and we will talk to you next week bye bye bye